This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. I'm very excited about this episode. We've got Brother Ryan Paul with us. Tremendous minister, incredible man of God. Very excited about what he has. So uh, great to have you with us, Brother Paul. Would you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself and uh, we'll go from there. Praise the Lord. Yeah, my name is Ryan Paul. Yeah, my wife is uh, Kirsten. I've got two children, Caroline and Monty that are seven and five. Yeah, we were just recently appointed as intermediate missionaries to the nation. Uh, We are on Team Spain there, and uh, we completed our AIM and AMP terms. We started in AIM. Uh, We were in several countries there in the year 2019, and then we started in Spain in uh, fall of 2020, been laboring there. And, um, yeah, we're about to start our deputation, first deputation. So we're just recently back in the States, and um, we're glad to, I'm glad to be here, honored to be here and share with you today. Glad to have you. Very excited. Hey, uh, that's great news about uh, being appointed as a missionary. I mean, that's that's got to be very exciting for you folks. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a big milestone. We... Uh, Took us three years of uh, yeah, and uh, I'll get into. I want to share a little bit more about that, but uh, yeah, I left. We left our careers. Yeah, I'm 38 years old, so um, yeah, I worked in industry for 12 years, and um, we sold our house, went to the field, uh, to three years to get through all the approvals and everything, and we finally met the board. So we are, we're, we're blessed. We're very happy. We're very happy. Amen. Very honored to be. Uh, what missionaries so praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord well i mean why don't we just get right into it uh i believe uh brother paul is going to be talking to us just a, a little bit for a little while um on answering the call um and it seems like he's done that so i'm very excited to hear what he's got so go right ahead brother amen so I, I just believe, you know, in the scripture, uh, Joel talks about last day revival. Mm. We've we've heard about it for many years and and whatnot. But if we just kind of put that into perspective, if you got what seven billion souls on the on the earth, you know, if if that last day revival is ten percent of those people, that's a seven hundred million soul revival. Wow. And, you know, there's different ways to look at it. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Is that just every nationality? Is that if just one person from that last tribe on some remote island gets to hear the word? It it, it could be. But I I just feel that it's going to be much larger than than we can really imagine. And it's going to be much larger than we can really handle <laughs> with what we've got right yeah. now I, I think that there's a great need for for laborers and um you know i just feel that that last day revival is something that we you know we want to be a part of that we need to be a part of and um you know the scripture another scripture i don't, I don't have it handy but 
the last, the hour, the, the laborer that got paid the same amount for one hour of work in the Bible. It's in Matthew 20. Yeah. Well, that principle of, you know, these people were there working 12-hour days, getting paid their fair share, and these guys come at the last minute, and they're getting a whole day's worth of hour of work. And I just feel that that principle is because of the value of the harvest. Mm. Because there's such a high value for the last day laborer, that 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 worker, that 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 boss of that harvest field was willing to pay. I don't think that the Bible is insinuating he became loose with his pay practices. I think he was being very shrewd, and that that the value of a worker in the last day is so high that that leader that that man that that boss is willing to pay even more mm. and and I, I think that we are seeing that and um, in, in, in answering the call I just feel that we've come to a point where you know we have all given we have given before and uh, but I just feel that it's time to go and it's time to send we can give our finances and still have and still do our day-to-day business and maybe that'll help us feel a little better uh or you know various pastors might be out there maybe their their best saint is kind of feeling a call but they're like well i i don't know if i want to send that person you know Mm. finances comes with a big sacrifice but really and we got to keep giving we, we got to keep giving in these last days. But uh, really the sacrifice that I think the Lord is asking us to make is to answer the call. More than anything else, if you have a call, you can't give your way out of that call. And if someone's on your pew and they're feeling a call and, you know, they, they might be your, your best saint, they might be your biggest tithe, or whatever it might be, but it's time to send them because the value of the harvest is begin, is going to become so great that what's going to limit us is the laborers. Amen. So, and with that, what I just want to do is just share my testimony of how I came through missions program after uh, working 12 years as a chemical engineer with a family, with two young young children. When we were on the field, uh, my son was two, my, my daughter was barely four. And the Lord has blessed, the Lord has blessed. And um, so I just wanna just kind of share a little bit. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm a first generation Pentecostal. Uh, the Lord touched my life in a great way when I was just out of just out of college, I had a very dynamic conversion, and I uh, met my wife, uh, Kirsten. Yeah, her parents. She grew up on the mission field. Her parents are Monty and Diane Showalter. So many many of the folks listening probably know them. And uh, we got married quickly. We knew that you know my conversion came very fast. My life changed in a dramatic way. 
and uh, we soon married after we met. And, uh, you know, I married into this missionary family, not that that was a, a call in and of itself, but I knew just because of the dynamic way the Lord touched my life and all of a sudden I was a part of this ministerial family, I knew that I just needed to be open to the call of God. And, and I just figured it was going to happen at some point. So that was in 20, we got married in 2010. And right at that very end, I received the truth right at the very end of 2009. So I just went along doing what I knew, knew to do, just kept working. We were involved in church and, you know, we were involved in small groups and various ministries, personal evangelism and soul winning, things of this nature. Um, you know, but I never, we never totally felt satisfied in that. And it, it felt like, uh, it, like we weren't really doing much, but when we look back over time, we really did win a lot of people and we were very active, but just in our spirits, we felt, we just felt a little uneasy and we just kept going on. I, I felt that, uh, I felt that it was time for me to pursue my ministerial license. I got my local license in, uh, in, uh, um, yeah, we were living in Delaware. I was attending uh, David Reavers Church. I got my local license. You know, and nothing great happened. I preached a couple times just to, you know, show the board that I had preached before. But doors really weren't opening. And but just kept on doing what we knew to do. And little by little, that tug just grows and grows. Um, the Lord moved us with my job. I moved to Houston, Texas. I was at uh, Brother Gurley's church. He's my he's my pastor. So we were there for for six years, and you know we had great friends that seemingly we had a lot in common with. We were all professionals. All all of our children were born at the same time. We have very close contacts. I'm very dear friends of the bars there, but we just felt different. You know, we just felt kind of set apart that a door might open at some time. And, uh, you know, I spoke with my pastor about it and, uh, an opportunity came up and, you know, an opportunity came up where we could have launched and I, I ran it by everyone. Everyone's thinking, yeah, you should go. Yeah, you should go. But right at the last minute, my pastor shined that yellow light and I just decided I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to burn through, you know, leave a career that I worked very hard for. So, so we stayed and wait, waited even longer. And, uh, that time of waiting, you know, you sense of dying, if you will, you know, that sense of, <laughs> it, it hurts a little bit in your spirit when you really feel the call and you just don't, don't really know what to do. All you know to do is just stay put. But uh, eventually that opportunity did open up and, uh, yeah, with the Lord's help, we sold our house. We sold, we sold really everything, pretty much, and we've got some of our personal items. But we sold it all and uh, went to the field. We started in Cyprus, which is in the Middle East. It's in the Med It's just west of Jerusalem. You know, just west of Israel. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, the first uh, location of if Paul. So we were there, we pastored a, a church while the missionary was on uh, deputation. We were there three months. 
Then we went to Riga, Latvia, where we received training uh, under a missionary there. We were there for three months also. Then we were in three months in Paris, France. We were working with uh, Paul Brochu, missionary there. Uh, Baron Carson's also there. And uh, that rounded out our first year. In additional trips, we went to Jerusalem. We visited the missionaries in Jerusalem. Got to go to the West Bank. Got to meet some people on that side of the of the fence. Uh, we went to, yeah, I got to preach in uh, Jordan during Ramadan. We went to South Africa, went to Greece, uh, ministered in many, many great places. And then uh, after that, we went home for time of uh, just on our own as uh, aimers we got uh, brought up to the amp level which is the second level and then um, COVID stopped us we were stuck in the states for quite a while but then uh, after that we made it finally to Spain where we labored for 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 our amp term and I uh, studied Spanish and began to preach in Spanish and preached all over around Barcelona um, we uh, we've got a building project there that I'm using my skills as from back in my engineering days. Uh, you know, we're we're working on a building project there. I'm helping out with that. And uh, later we moved up to the north of Spain, in the Basque region, where there's uh, there's not a church in the city that we were living in, San Sebastian, and it's our plan to uh, return back to there uh, after deputation. So uh, that is sort of my testimony. And with that, I wanted to just kind of highlight some things that perhaps if you're thinking about missions and maybe you're in a career and maybe you feel like it's too late for you to join or it's too late for you to take that step or there's other things, other preconceptions, I'll say, that, that I'd like to just kind of talk through and just share my own experience of how I navigated all these things and and really how how the Lord really blessed. Um, you know, I can I can just imagine that, you know, if you're in a career, you're a, a, you know, head of your household, you gotta put food on the table, <laughs> all those things, you think about the finances. Right. So, mm. uh, you know, with that last hour labor, uh, you know, I've, I've found the Lord to be a good provider. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, we, we did not have any problems with finances whatsoever. And, I made it a principle, you know, if I had, uh, you know, we sold our house and, you know, we put that aside, we put that and invested it and, you know, we kept that separate. And, you know, of course I, I, I had and have, you know, personal funds, you know, that are available if need be, but we want it to be sent. We feel that it's a principle that when you're sent, that there's an, a, a blessing and an anointing that comes upon you. And, you know, you can do things in your own, but if you're going overseas and ministering, you really need all the anointing and all the covering that you can get. 
so uh, um, there were times when I had to kind of maybe make ends meet with some personal and I was able to send my children to a, a, a bilingual school in Barcelona as AIM and AMP, uh, the Lord provided. And the Lord, you know, I, 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 I feel very strongly, and this is a, might be a little controversial, but you, you don't want to do anything. When you're overseas, you don't want to do anything that the Bible says foolish. And, the, the, you know, you're fighting battles. You don't want to be foolish. So the Bible says a fool spends all his substance. So we made a point. We continued, not a lot, but we continued to save for our future, for our children's future while on eight and I think quickly acceptable praise the Lord so he's a provider he's provided the entirety of my family of four as aimers and there was times when uh, when we we things were a little short or whatever and we would go to the grocery store and and you know it was uh, we were we were never in a bad position but you know, it was a little tight, and we prayed, and the Lord just connected us with partners of people that I never met before. They just saw our story, and they gave, and right at the critical moments. So if you're thinking that, oh, you can't raise the funds or whatever it might be, the Lord will provide the funds. I can assure you of that. I can assure you. Uh, another thing that maybe a preconceived notion is that, well, you know, we're already in so many countries and, you know, I don't really feel a call to any place or, um, you know, there might not be room for me. What I can tell you is that the need is so very great. When we're, you know, in uh, just the demographics of the world, of the United States for sure, uh, certainly in my past work experiences, and, and it, it's, it, it touches everything. There's a big gap coming with a succession of the baby boomer generation. And there's going to be great needs that, that are going to come, and we need people to kind of get up into the, into the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And more and more, there was a, a very strong pioneering because it was the need there was no nothing anywhere you know we had to send people to you know one person per country but that that mindset is shifting and certainly in spain we're we're having several that are coming and having a team approach to reach a country so uh, i i think that those days of one person going to a country and and taking the whole thing i, I think that that is changing, and as this new generation comes up, more and more, we're seeing it across uh, North American missions. Brother Bernard is talking about it a lot, about working in teams, and that is uh, very much uh, definitely the approach that we are taking in Spain. So there's room, and uh, so... Those are some things where I was going to end up. And I think a lot of people, they hear stories of, well, you know, they just had some great vision. 
of well I'm and I brought my they brought their coffin there and they were never going to come back and because they had some vision and, and that was the call and you know if you don't have that then you must not be called you know and you, you shouldn't go into missions because you're not called uh the people that I'm talking to these days I I I think very much it's more of a walk of faith you just got to take that first step and I didn't know that I would end up being appointed to Spain I thought at one time it would could have been Turkey and we visited there uh, I thought perhaps maybe France I thought many things but it was really the process of just taking it one step at a time and just seeing what doors God would open and uh so I think if you feel missions and you don't know where it is, uh, I think that that's okay. And I think that's actually quite normal these days. And, and um, it's very important to get a very high quality first experience. You know, if you sell everything or you do whatever it might be to whatever sacrifices you have to make you know there are sacrifices you have to make to to do that uh getting a good start i think is very important admissions and probably i mean really for for pastoring whatever it might be um and you know i'll just kind of put a little plug in in spain we are starting the the euchers dennis and amy euchre they were very active in teaching in uh Riga Latvia, they have now, they're now moving to Barcelona. So we are going to have opportunities where we can bring in aimers, whether they feel Spain or otherwise, they can come and get a quality missions experience and we can help them. We can help you in your walk of faith and working your way through the application process. And it'll be in the city of Barcelona. If you feel a direction, you can learn basically any language you want there. If you want to learn French and go into Africa, there you can learn French in Barcelona. If you want to learn Arabic, there's there are Arabic schools there. You can learn Spanish, of course. And really, the world's your oyster. And we can provide that. We are set up to provide that quality experience and we have sent people we've, we've, we've already sent people at the same time that we got appointed the, the Tingley family they've been with us in Spain integral part of the Spain team they felt led they worked with brother Herod and uh, they felt led they've applied to this the nation of Haiti so they are appointed to Haiti uh, we've got part of our team, they're working in Andorra, which is a small company, a small country between uh, Spain and France. Uh, another AIM family, the Garcias, uh, Riley and Hallie Garcia, they're in Spain now, but a door opened for a furlough replacement in Luxembourg, which is also in Europe, kind of by Belgium and all that. So we're sending them to Luxembourg and really that's our you know if you feel spain that's great but if you just feel missions and you don't know that next step um you can come and we can guide you through that we can help you on your missions journey praise god 
So whatever it is you feel to do, if you feel missions, if you feel pastoring, if you feel the call of God, I feel that we are coming to that last hour where provision will be plentiful, where whatever you need, whatever that the doors are going to be open. If you just take that step, if you take that first step, I believe that there's going to be doors that open where everything seemed closed, where it seemed you couldn't or whatever the reason might be. And, you know, we might be under certain mindsets, but I feel like it's time to, it's time to just kick the door open and walk through them because we're in the last hour. <laughs> you know it. I believe the Lord's going to honor his word. And he right. has for me. He has for me. And I was in middle America, owning a home, cars, kids, going to a great church, all the above. And if anyone, if anyone was against the odds, it was me because, uh, you know, all those countries I named, that's a lot of plane tickets. That's a, the Lord provided miraculously and he opened doors for me. He did it, but I had to take that first step. I had to take that first step, but praise God, you can do it too. Whoever's listening, you can do it too. If you're feeling the call, answer it. The Lord will be with you. Amen. Amen. So, talk. To, tell our listeners a bit about that first step that you took. How, how difficult was it? And what were maybe some of the thoughts that were going through your head before you took that step? great question so you know i i studied chemical engineering so uh and i worked in in chemical engineering for nearly 12 years so i'm a very you know numbers oriented person so i went through everything you know in terms is it better to sell or to rent you know all of those things so in that first time when uh, when I told you my pastor gave the yellow light, in that time I thought through in great detail all the things that I would have to do to uh, do it properly. You know, I, I don't advocate whatsoever for a throw caution to the wind answering the call. Not at all. So, um you know, I made sure that I had a council of people that were all giving green lights before I went. So the principle, yeah, so I made sure that all of my spiritual counsel was in agreement and foremost. And then second, I, I looked very detailed at finances, at how am I going to do insurance? How am I going to you know, do this without, um, without sending myself, you know, how is I going to pull that off? So when it came time, I had, I had, you know, gone through that process in a great detail and, and I knew I was making the right decision because of all my spiritual leadership was in agreement and, and I knew that I wasn't leaving myself vulnerable. You know, I still had 
you know, retirement. I think it's very, that I kept, you know, all those things I think are very important. And if we call, you know, putting ourselves in a compromised position spiritual, I, I, don't, I, I don't think that at all. I think that's actually, you know, that I would think the Bible would call it foolish. So I just made sure that my house was in order without going to, I could go into the detail. And if anyone wants to call me and if they're thinking through this, I can help you. I can help you talk through that. But, uh, and then I thought through it so much and I thought through what I would need to do and to make sure everything is in order and all my spiritual people were in agreement. So when it came to actually doing it, it was a very natural thing. It was a very natural thing. I mean, it wasn't easy, but uh, the, I'll tell you, the hardest thing is all your stuff. <clears throat> You're going into missions, luggage, packing up your house. Those are, that's the hard part. <laughs> but uh, because I had gone through and made sure spiritually from my leadership standpoint and really being the the provider the guardian of my household i had made sure everything was in place there so so i really had no regrets and because of that i had great peace it was actually very a very natural thing i think any time that a child of god trusts god with their finances God, it, it, that is just a natural thing. That's how we are supposed to be wired. So when we get beyond this, these distractions and these preconceived ideas that, well, it's, it's my money and I worked hard for it. Well, you wouldn't be able to have that money or that house or anything had God not provided in the first place. Amen. So when you Amen. are willing to invest, and I think that this is the, this, it's key and it's critical in this end time revival is, being willing to invest not only of your finances, but of yourself, your time, your energy. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what this session is all about. Amen. 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 Yeah, praise God. We continue to give. We support others through the whole thing. And uh, the Lord provided everything. So. And he always will. That's the thing. He always Amen. will. Amen. And sometimes, if it feels like maybe the brook is drying up, it's because God is just trying to push you or lead you to another position spiritually. Yeah. These are things you're never going to get away from, so it's incredible. Um, okay, so let's say that one of my listeners or one of the listeners want to get in touch with you or that maybe they want to follow What's going on in the world of the Pauls? Yes. Where would they go? So I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I post. Uh, I use a posting scheduler, so I post regularly. I'm at at Apostolic Pauls on Twitter, and I have a Facebook page, Apostolic Pauls on 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 Facebook. So you can see what we're up to. You can see what the Lord's doing in our, in our journey. Uh, my email, also very easy to remember, apostolicpauls at gmail.com. If you want to send me a, a note, if you if you want to come to Spain, if you want to launch into missions, we'd be glad to help you. If you have any questions, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be glad to help you in any way I can. Amen.
tremendous. I'm, I'm very excited. This has been, this is good. This is good stuff. I'm hoping that we can continue bringing this type of content out because this is what the church needs to hear. You know, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm really tired of this, you know, this sort of comfort Christianity that we have and this sort of relaxed, it's just not, it's not biblical. They were called to sell everything to follow Jesus. And the one account we read of a guy who didn't want to do that and he left sorrowful. I don't want to be a guy that's sorrowful. I want to be in the joy and the presence and the power and the authority that God will give. Amen. Amen. And Brother Paul's doing it. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Praise Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for joining us on Apostolic Theory. This has been a blessing. Uh, Great connection. I'm very excited about what God's going to do. So thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you all for listening. May the Lord richly bless you. Answer the call. Answer the call. (laughs) Amen. Answer the call. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.